Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, you can read it. You can review it. You can subscribe to it. Please subscribe to it. Uh, and uh, you can tell everyone that you know that you love Lamestream Sports. So the Tennessee Titans just hired a general manager. And the only person I could think of to talk about how to cover, how to track, how to evaluate front office coverage and maneuvers from NFL teams, who also was there for the announcement of the John Robinson era for the, in the Tennessee Titans, was Paul Kaharski. Of course, he also happened to just leave OutKick and join our network as well. So we got into a lot of stuff with him. Uh, PaulKaharski.com, of course, is the website. So a very long conversation today, Steve, with Paul Kaharski about Rand Carthon, John Robinson, the Titans. Jeff Fisher got in there. As I mentioned, OutKick was, was in there. Uh, and his decision to leave, uh, along with a lot of other stuff on how to report on the Tennessee Titans. Um, make sure you become a member, paulkaharski.com, and listen to his podcast, the Paul Kaharski Podcast. I recommend that show, Steve. It's a, it's a good one. I recommend it. It's a member of the 440 Podcast Network. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, <laughs> b- before we do that, of course, um, and we'll get a couple of quick recommendations, but we had a very long conversation with Paul, as 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 we all want to do. Um, before we do, Lamestream Sports brought to you by? Jasper, always brought to you by the good people and fine, fine food at Jasper's. I'm going to make an incredibly wise decision later on in this show to embarrass my wife publicly, but um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Through the lens of the next evolution of the sports bar. So go, go to go to Jasper's, everybody. The parking is free. The food is amazing. Uh, the menu is great. They got the grab and go market, the free game room. You know all this stuff. And again, I'm going to do something that is highly advised. For all married men everywhere. A little bit later on in the show. Uh, Steve, do we have to say anything here? Or can we just get right to Paul? I think we can I think we can just jump right in here, buddy. What do you think? I want to say one thing. I want to say one thing. Uh, if you are a Titans fan, pay for good journalism. Go mm-hmm. to paulkaharski.com. Become a member. Become a member. Become a member. Paulkaharski.com. Here was our conversation with PK. Paul, welcome to the show, sir. How are you, man? I'm well, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. It's been a while, and that's my fault. I'll uh, I'll concede. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. That's all we needed. Um, just an apology. That was it. Uh, talk to you later. <laughs> I don't. I, that wasn't an apology. That was that was a, a polite entrance. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, all right. I can so, do polite entrances. Apologies for things that I don't apologize for. I can't. That's that's valid. That's valid. <laughs> Um, all right, we'll get to, of course, what you're doing now and 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 being on uh, justpaulkarski.com. Of course, become a member today, so go check that out. We'll get to all that a little bit later on. But I wanted to focus heavily today on sort of all the transition that's going on with the Tennessee Titans, uh, hiring a new general manager and Rand Carthon. They're making a bunch of uh, staff changes as well with Mike Vrabel uh, as the head coach still. They've got a lot of personnel decisions to make, so we're going to get into how you cover all of that. But I wanted to start with the two press conferences because the two press conferences, in my opinion, had John Robinson's introductory press conference in 2016 and Rand Carthon's this past weekend. And I, I think there's a lot of similarities and differences, but I wanted, since you were there at both of them, let's start with just h- how were they different? What stood out to you in terms of bringing John Robinson into his first GM role and bringing Rand Carthon into his first GM role? Well, I, I mean, the striking thing to me is, um, you know, I think fans probably because of recency bias see the team as similarly desperate for uh new direction new blood all of that 
they certainly need new outside blood now with with the hiring of Rand Carthon. I think um, it would have been foolish not not to uh, scoop dirt on on his Titans grave, but to hire Ryan Cowden or Monty Awesomefort, who I think is the better of the two uh, candidates. But the Titans need outside thinking, fresh ideas, all of that. But nowhere near as desperately as they needed it in in 2016 with John Robinson. I mean, that organization was a mess. People are going to equate the two uh, because a seven-game losing streak is is the worst this team's had during its time in Tennessee because it went from uh, seven and three and a shoe-in to the playoffs to, uh, you know, embarrassing itself. Uh, in getting caught by the Jaguars and and missing the playoffs. And everybody knew if they had won that game and gone to the playoffs, they probably would have gotten embarrassed in the playoffs. Uh, the injury plague that that haunted this team through the last two seasons, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody knows all those storylines and how desperately this team needs uh, an injection of, of things that aren't available to it, uh, weren't available to it here in Nashville. But none of that compares to 2016 after Tommy Smith uh, his what 18 month period as as the head of the new ownership after Bud was uh, 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 very much an uh, ill owner in absentia who was making no decisions and you know spending money on player contracts but not on on facilities and and uh, and the kind of personnel you need to sustain an organization off the field and and all of those kind of things. And so the John Robinson hire in many ways was was much bigger, I, I dare say. And then when he pulls the the you watched it recently, Braden, you you confessed. I'm not uh that much of a masochist, I guess, but when he pulls the piece of paper out at the end to deliver his his final message about, you know, goes off script and talks about being from Union City and and you know really wins over the audience with the uh, I, I'm from here. This means the world to me stuff. Um, you know, I think people are likely to forget a- unless you blow that pl- press conference, every GM, every new coach lifts an organization to hope. And that's the beauty of the league. I'm being long winded here, but you go from a seven game losing streak that, that uh, has you out. You go from winning five games in two years, like Robinson did you come into that press conference with outside um, ideas and enthusiasm and, and all of that. And, and what's, what's the feeling uh, around the city? Hey, we're going a new direction. We're going to be a totally different franchise. This is great. It's amazing how that one hire and one press conference pivots an organization, not just this one, any organization. Yeah. And the NFL is phenomenal at selling offseason hope better than any product I know of. Let me add one question for the vibe, because it's like even the new facility was different than the tiny room you guys were in the the fancy swanky new backdrop versus sort of the, the you know, the, the cheaply put up curtain. Um, you have sort of the introduction of Mike Malarkey, who's almost has to defend himself because he's a proven commodity and maybe not all that great. Um, he has to def- ownership is in complete kind of chaos at the time, although I think Amy Adams had already kind of been established as the as hey this team is not for sale but they had to answer those questions in that press conference whereas this time it feels like Mike Vrabel has this lightness and confidence and airiness I'm not sure if I've seen him that relaxed in a long time 
Um, describe the differences in sort of the vibe and the energy of the room when it comes to who is in charge and the direction and all that other stuff. Well, a lot of people talk about Mike Vrabel uh, seeming as loose as he's been in a long time. It's two weeks removed from the shackles of that losing streak, which, you know, put more more and more weight on him, uh, you know, by the end of it, by game five, game six. Uh, certainly, you know, game, game seven was the release once it was over, but it, it was getting exponentially worse. You could see it on his face. You could see it almost in his body language. And Mike Vrabel's a guy that doesn't have bad body language, you know, like ever. I mean, you want to see a guy who carries himself like uh, NFL football coach, former player. That's that's the poster boy for it. Um, so I, I think really – uh, you know, playing into that hope and fresh air and all of that yeah. stuff. Mike, Mike Vrabel was right there, but also there's, there's two weeks of a guy that's gotten some sleep um, and feels a sense of relief in, 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 in the ability to uh, close the door and come to terms with everything that, that, uh, that he's gone through and that his team's gone through. And I don't want to paint him as an overly sympathetic figure. He he's got a lot of guilt in terms of, of what happened to the team falling apart. But there was also a good degree of stuff that was out of his control. Um, I, I maintain he's one of the eight best coaches in the league. I wrote, uh, you know, <clears throat> maybe with four games left that, that, that people who wanted to see his head roll in addition yeah. to John Robinson were absolutely insane. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, he's reinvigorated now with a partnership with somebody that he clearly hit it off with and, you know, he, he didn't do the hiring, but he certainly, uh, gave his nod of approval and, um, you know, this partnership now keys, what becomes of this franchise for the next three, four, five Titans fans would hope longer than that years. The partnership's really interesting because I, I think it's much easier to evaluate a coach because of because of they're so directly responsible for what happens on the field uh, and, and evaluating a coach and their assistants. But but there's a certain opaqueness in in front offices in, in in part because you're not always sure kind of what the relationships are and you're not always sure kind of what the, it's not always apparent kind of what the reporting lines are supposed to be. Uh, and so how do we, how, how do you make an evaluation of the success or failure of, of the John Robinson regime and of kind of what this new GM is, is, is set up to do? Obviously it's, you know, you and other people have written about how it's going to be a different, a slightly different structure than, than you had under Robinson, but how do how do we how do we look and evaluate that from the outside and, and what are kind of the challenges to to finding to, to finding the information necessary to kind of accurately look at it? All right. That's all good. It's big. So take me back sure. to what I missed. Let's start with Robinson review, right? Good early, generally speaking. And and then he fell off. Amy Adams Strunk made it clear why she let him go on December sixth, and it was roster construction, and uh, and and development, and that was obvious to all of us. I thought he would have gotten in the first year of what was reported to be a, a five year 
contract, a, a new contract for him, more time to dig himself out of it. He used COVID as an excuse, which was bad. I mean, the, the, the main draft out of COVID where you couldn't really scout the same way, you have to figure things out. And in the year that he had a really bad COVID draft, Chris Ballard, who's not a very good GM in Indianapolis, had an excellent draft. So if you can't match your main rival in the division, that's something wrong. And you certainly can't use it as an excuse. And, and Robinson's a pretty stand-up guy. I think his ego uh, grew as he had success. And he was just too willing to take risks, um, particularly with high picks. Isaiah Wilson, they didn't feel like was a risk at the time, but nobody else took him. Um, you know, uh, and, and the guy played four snaps for them, uh, a first round pick who plays four snaps is a disaster. Caleb Farley is a first round pick who was pl playing, uh, you know, got hurt his first year. So you give him a pass there, but he had an injury history coming in his second season. Um, you know, he's a special teamer, a first rounder who's a special teamer at a position cornerback where you really need help. Uh, and then he suffers a back injury playing special teams, a guy who had two back surgeries when you drafted him. It's just too much of an element of risk there. John, in conjunction with Mike Rabel, sells that they love guys who love ball, yet they had guys like Vic Beasley who clearly didn't love ball. And they had a bunch of guys uh, retire under, under their watch um, in season, like Ty Sambrilo. Um, or or before they got on the field, uh, the the cornerback um, from Houston, Johnson uh, from Cleveland, maybe, um, who didn't even get on the field. And then they sing their praises. Well, it's great that this guy made a decision on his own terms. Sure, that's great for him that he made a decision on your own terms. <laughs> What's it say about you that you're signing a guy who doesn't want to play? Where's the love ball read? If that's your number one thing, you've got to read it better. And that's on Robinson more than more than anybody else. So uh, I hope John gets another chance. GMs generally don't, you know, I, I think when he resurfaces and it's not going to be this year, uh, it doesn't seem like he'd be a director of, of player personnel, pro personnel, something like that for somebody and be a, a valued uh, member of, of somebody's front office, then maybe refurbish and, and resurface later on. The opaqueness I talk about a little bit or I lead my most recent podcast with, with this, not in terms of the GM, but in terms of people under the GM and these titles I'm talking about, director of pro personnel. Rand Carthon was director of pro personnel. He was a pro scout for Atlanta. Then he was director of pro personnel for the Rams for a good chunk of time. Then he was director of pro personnel for the 49ers for a chunk of time before the last two years where he was director of player personnel. So that's all encompassing. So by title, you would think, well, that sounds like a guy that's not super involved in drafts. Pro personnel is free agency and monitoring what's going on around the league in terms of, uh, you know, who we're going to sign as a free agent, then who's available um, during the year or taking guys we liked in the draft and following their careers, uh, monitoring who's on practice squads, things like that. I asked him about that at the press conference, and he said, by title. I was pro personnel guy, but based on my skill set, I was, I was involved in drafts. They let me be. So to your point, Steve, the opaqueness is a, is a big deal. We have no idea what these guys in front offices do 
or who their fingerprints are on, successes or failures. And that makes it very difficult to uh, base our opinions coming in on anything but um, reflections of people on and off the record. You know, I talked to Jeff Fisher about him because Jeff Fisher worked with him in St. Louis and Los Angeles. And I talked to other people who worked with him who can't put their name on it. But outside of believing those people, all of whom say positive things, we don't know about him or about a slew of guys. We don't know about John Salji, who's the Titans director of college scouting. We don't know what Ryan Cowden did. Though I find it hard to believe that Ryan Cowden is John Robinson's right-hand man wasn't in sync with John Robinson on most of what John Robinson did, which is why I wasn't a big supporter of his um, candidacy for this GM job. Uh, that's a long answer. So let's break it up and, and ask me the, the rest of that or follow up on it. Well, well, well I, I think, I, I think something that that's really interesting that you hit on is the, is we've, we've, we've had a press conference now. We know the GM, we don't know what his structure is going to be underneath. And I'm interested in, you know, these conversations, you, you talk to a lot of people around the league, how much, uh, how much people in those positions around the league or working in front offices can see another front office and know and that's that, you know, they're executing really well, or they're not executing really well outside of the, the, the things that, that you and I can see, which is, you know, good players ending up in, in a good coaching situation. I, I'm, I'm fascinated at just how, how hard it is to, how hard it is. It seems like such a, such an exclusive club uh, of, of, you know, uh, of people working in front offices that, that, that we have almost no way to, we have almost no way to kind of know how they work on a daily basis and, and kind of, and how to think about their jobs. And we, and we don't, I, I mean, on the, on the one hand, we know like what's the work product look like, you know, what's their hit rate on, on draft picks. The 49ers have done very well, not just with, with uh, high picks, not just with, with Nick Bosa um, and, and, uh, or, a. a of a find like George Kittle, but also with low picks, he told a great story about finding Elijah Mitchell and, and analytics, um, helping them get there with Elijah Mitchell. And then D'Amico Ryans, who had a, a, you know, was, was told that sixth round spot was his to get a linebacker and him seeing Elijah Mitchell and saying, he's a better running back than any linebacker we've got coming. You <laughs> should take the running back, which is great collaboration, which is what we're looking for. Um, and what the Titans are going to operate on here with no head of not just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter so much who's got the final say, but there's no head of football operations. So like if the Titans need to make a decision, and this is a bad example, but say the bubble was in disrepair and they need a point person on the bubble. Well, Carthon and Vrabel would have to have a meeting to decide who's in charge of the bubble, or they would be both dedicating time to decide about the bubble which seems to me like you leave some room for repetitive work there. Whereas Robinson was in charge. He would decide about the bubble with consultation uh, from, from, from Vrabel. But so we know what these guys do in terms of the work product that's on the field. The more interesting thing to me is from what I hear, the Rams under less need as the general manager were, are a more 
relaxed, if you will, front office, a little bit more casual, if you will. And the Niners are a little bit more rigid and business-like style uh, in terms of their office culture. I think this plays into the kind of question you're asking. We don't really know things like that until you ask around or somebody tells you. And I'm told that Carthon prefers the Rams' more casual um, atmosphere to the 49ers' more business-like atmosphere. And so I expect that's what he'll try to create. He's also going to want some turnover. I wrote this at paulkuherski.com. I think he's being asked to um, come in and work with what's there and evaluate the people, which is generally how this works. Scouting and all these positions we're talking about, pro personnel and college scouting director and all of that, generally turnover after drafts. <clears throat> so the people he may want to hire may be more available to him after the draft. But he may have access to some people now. It's not the ideal time for turnover. But what sense does it make for him to work with Ryan Cowden right now? And what sense does it make for Ryan Cowden, who very is very unlikely to be here after the draft? doesn't make much sense to try to make that work for a crucial three months for the Tennessee Titans right now if Cowden would rather be gone. And if uh, Carthon has somebody he'd like to bring in, and I hope Amy Adams Strunk isn't kind of forcing, hey, you work with these people and see what comes out of it in these three months, instead of saying, these are crucial three months, do what you need to do in terms of having the people you want to have. It, it's almost as if the mechanics of the day are easier because someone knows like literally how to get around the building. Maybe like, I don't, I don't know. Like that's the, the, the only thing I can come up with on that one evaluating coaches. And, and I want to stick with evaluating coaches and GMs and front offices because it ties into the vibes. I, I think that, that Ram, you're talking about with the Rams sort of relaxed atmosphere. Rand Carthon certainly portrays that and pushes that out. Very casual, very easy to get, get along with. It's all about collaboration. It's all about, you know, all this stuff. We're going to work together. I do think John Robinson, there was a stiff upper lip there from the first press conference to how he walked around the practice field at training camp to sort of just how people interacted with him regularly. It felt like there was a little bit more disciplinary in there versus a player's coach. But isn't the why the thing we're trying to get at as storytellers in the media? Because I think we can look at coaches and GMs and we can say wins and losses here for coaches. And we can say good players or bad players here for GMs, right? Like we can kind of those are the end results. But how we get there is the part that is is almost always behind closed doors for both of them. And how to get to that information is is the key here, right? Absolutely. And and really, the information on that comes out after the guy's done, right? That I mean, the Elijah Mitchell story is kind of an exception. You get an example on analytics. I think it was Logan Ryan that John Robinson told the story about, if I'm not mistaken, it was it at that press conference, Braden, you could probably correct me. He talked about a heat map, um, you know, and that was kind of his analytics example. I, I had several defensive backs that I was looking at and trying to sort through who would be the best of this group. And it was ultimately a heat map um, of guy being around the ball and Logan Ryan set himself apart. Was it Logan Ryan that he was talking about? Well, it, so Logan would have been, that would have been a couple of years ago after he left, right? Like, no, but he was talking about oh, he's scouting talking about, Logan Ryan for New for England. The, 
I don't think he mentioned it in that press conference, but I know right. exactly. I, I know. I know what you're talking about. At some point, yeah. as his yeah. analytics example, could have been a different cornerback. Um, but those those are the small examples you get that that we get once in a while. You'd get an example, or maybe an off the record example, but mostly. This is after a guy is gone or after, uh, you know, four years after a draft that you'll get a story about, oh, we really wanted so-and-so in the draft and we took uh, when we took so-and-so or he went right before our pick and we really wanted him. You never hear that in real time. You only hear it after stuff plays plays out, right? And you, then you're not hurting anybody's feelings or you're further removed from it. Uh the, all of that kind of stuff. Those stories tend to come down the road if they come at all. They used to come more frequently. You know, you could have those conversations with Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher. Um, you know, I, I had a big one with Mike Malarkey, you know, about Marcus Mariota. Now, you could say that there were some uh, some bitterness there, some sour grapes, um, which is probably true. It, it, it was good at new information to me. Um, but I think it's also fewer, uh, few and far between that you get those reviews. Really the reviews are from, from what we see and we know uh, whether they made the mistakes or not, or you get it off the record. You know, I, what did you guys ultimately see in that guy that you, uh, you, you drafted him? Oh man, he was a lot dumber than, than we thought, or we thought X would translate and it didn't. Or boy, we really developed him in a way that you know it panned out just like we thought. We we saw X, Y, and Z. We got him on the practice field, and boy, those things took off in a way that was even better than we dreamed. That information uh, that you're talking about, the like the really good stuff. Do you, how, what percentage of that is control versus uh, versus feelings? Like like you're exactly right. Like you don't want to be talking about somebody like. Oh, we didn't. We didn't necessarily want to draft this guy, but we 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 took him, or we we skipped this guy. And I can understand how like somebody like a player could walk away from that with kind of with hurt feelings. But but it's also a league that's that's a bunch of control freaks, <laughs> particularly in particularly in key positions. And 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 it seems that that a lot of that. I mean, and you see that even kind of with with Vrabel, just sort of kind of kind of a lack of a lack of general access or a lack of you know he 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 is very controlled about what he does and 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 what he says uh what what, what do you think they're the, also they're also paranoid schizophrenics just for the record like yeah to, to mix that in they but, are what what percentage of that is control versus what percentage of that is you know you don't want to talk about they just don't want to don't want to upset somebody about it well, I think there's a third thing that they think it gives something away and that the number one thing is competitive advantage. And they can put uh, virtually anything under the umbrella of competitive advantage. And that's the number one thing. So if they gave you any information about uh, the rationale for drafting a guy that went beyond, you know, their acceptable envelope they uh, and you say well why can't you say a little bit more of that they would say it but their rationale in their head is that it's some sort of giveaway competitive advantage not necessarily competitive advantage on the field but competitive advantage to how they operate their draft or their free agent board 
or whatever. And that's just the, the, the blanket for absolutely everything. I think there's too much uh, hurt feelings. To be honest with you, Mike Malarkey, I, I like the way he operated in that he wouldn't say anything publicly that he hadn't said to a player already. But if he had had a conversation with the player about his propensity to miss tackles, he would talk about that player's propensity to miss tackles. Vrabel is much more protective of players uh, individually. Um, if you ask about a specific guy missing tackles, he will talk more broadly about missed tackles and not specifically about that guy. And that comes, I think, largely from him having been a player and not liking uh, being talked about specifically and his coach not talking about that. Not just uh, Bill Belichick, but I, I suspect Bill Cower didn't operate that way either. Why, why don't you practice, coach, when it's overcast? We're not telling. We're, we're not going to tell you why we don't practice outside well, because it's overcast. Um, He's so better than most people give him credit for, I think. Um, but he's also got, you know, I call it Northeastern. Uh, Cleveland suburbs are not, in fact, Northeastern. I understand they're Midwestern. But as somebody that was born in Cleveland and moved to the East, <laughs> um, you know, he spent a lot of time in the, in the Northeast. And I think he's got a... a similar sensibility um it turns people off when he can be snide at the podium it turns people off a lot more than it turns me off so a lot of people when he's snarky with me uh feel compelled to defend me which is a very odd position for me to be in it's it's rare uh that people defend me on anything they'll say i don't like the way he responded to you and i'll say if i'm not worried about it you don't need yeah to worry. yeah you know, and if Mike Vrabel and I are fine and our relationship extends beyond what you see when the Titans turn their camera on and off, stealing everybody's questions for their content. Um, if I'm not worried about it, you don't have to. You're, you're not. I have a big, big deal here. You're not allowed to be more offended than the victim uh, in, in our society on the Internet. Just on the Internet. You're not allowed to be more offended than the victim. Um, so I like that policy. The, the two. um Sort of the, the the two things that strike me. This is, this is sort of a football question, but then into a coverage question, and that is the two things that strike me, having you know been around Rand Carthon for one press conference and sort of been around John Robinson's uh, structure for for six five or six years, is, is certainly the the more interpersonal, maybe more um, emotionally adept, uh, psychologically evolved ability that Rand Carthon may have, and then of course the analytics, which. Already, I think John Robinson gets a little bit of a bad rap for some of that's because he put himself in that situation by things that he said. Uh, but but the idea that he uses a heat map to evaluate a DB, that's that's analytics. So those are the two things that I think people think they're coming away from the press conference with that are the big differences that he's Rand's more of a player's coach, for lack of a better term, versus a disciplinarian and that he's going to use more analytics other than just time spent with him or around the facility. How do you go about proving those assumptions? in the next eight months or year or year and a half. Well, you're calling him a player's coach, by the way, he's not coaching, which is one thing that makes him different than, um, than Robinson who could not get enough of wearing a whistle around his <laughs> neck and true. involving himself in drills. <laughs> I expect that Rand Carthon will sit back like a quote unquote, normal general manager and watch practice instead of involving himself in practice. And I cannot, cannot cannot convince myself that that didn't drive Mike Vrabel insane 
though I am sure that he uh, came to terms with it. Um, I think uh, on the analytics front, you know, Mike Vrabel may have said some things that indicated they use uh, analytics, but he didn't do things like there's no research and development department at the Titans. He hired one guy only a couple of years ago. He is the lowest ranking guy on the 22 member uh, personnel department. Uh, there's no independent department regarding analytics. I fully expect that Rand Carthon will hire somebody that will be high ranking um, and that that person may have people under uh, him or her. Um, so a sea change there in terms of um, the influence that those people will have. I tweeted out pictures of two groups of scouts slash um, personnel people that were at the press conference. And the Titans analytics guy retweeted it and said, Matty Ice in the house. So that's the Titans analytics guy is young enough to be fired up that he was pictured in a tweet. <laughs> I don't know that uh, Demetrius uh, Washington, I think it is, or Quasi Adolfo Mensa, uh, both of whom went on to, I, I might have butchered both of those names. The two guys that went on to, uh, one is the GM of the Vikings and the other, um, one of his top lieutenants with the Vikings now, would have had a reaction to having been pictured in the background when they were running research and development for the Vikings. I, I doubt they would have retweeted um, with that childlike enthusiasm. So that, that's what I'm looking for for Rand Carthon. Reframe that question for me. How am I going to gauge? Well, well you kind of already alluded to it. Like if, if we're at training camp this year and you don't see Rand anywhere, that's already a difference in sort of the hands-on differences between the two of them um again i think uh, again my vibe this is this is just me guessing after one press conference basically is john robinson ran things with a little bit more of an iron fist ran's going to be more of a people person and and that the analytics could be different and the only way we can really tell about those things is about time is time because you're never going to get inside the scouting rooms we're never going to get inside the coaching meeting rooms it's just going to have to be sort of observational right i mean otherwise how yeah, do you tell otherwise how do you tell the differences between they both they both mentioned thomas dimitrioff in their opening press conference they both are new england guys and talked about new, the new england way mike vrabel's a very like the, the style of football is not going to be drastically different so they're really not all that different but how do we prove the differences i guess is what i'm trying to get at yeah i, I think time you know, really. And uh, people will be overly quick to judge him. This is another thing I talk about in my, in my pod, you know, if his first move is to, uh, you know, uh, extend Morgan Cox, the long snapper or something like that, people are going to go crazy. Like <laughs> there yeah, are priorities the that they set, right. But the priorities don't happen in chronological order. Left tackle is to me the biggest thing going, but if they, in their heads are thinking they're going to address left tackle most likely at 11. Well, they can't do that until April 29th or April 30th, whatever the first day of the draft is. So on opening day of free agency uh, where they make their first player acquisition and it's not a left tackle, people can't go, Oh my God, they didn't address left, left tackle first. Well, they don't have to do everything in order. They just have to do everything in the time windows that are appropriate, which is, free agency first and second round the draft and free agency post draft 
So if everything happens in that time window, that's fine. It doesn't have to be ticked off in an orderly list. Um, the thing that most striking to me about Carthon, and, and I would say that I don't know that Robinson viewed it this way. He certainly never articulated it this way. And it takes me back. I remember writing about it with Matt Hasselbeck, who was one of the best talkers that passed through the Titans locker room. And it really struck me when he presented himself this way. And he came right out and said it like that he was uh, and, and he had a religious bent on it, that he was a servant to the to the team. How can I serve this team as the quarterback? How can I serve this receiver, this tight end, these offensive linemen, these coaches? Um, and I found that incredibly striking and it was different than anything I'd heard from any quarterback that I had covered in my career to that point or since, frankly. Um, I found it striking and I found it a very healthy, interesting way for a quarterback to think. And I'm just connecting it now, but that's what Rand Carthon sounded like to me. He is anxious to serve Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel is a head coach who needs players who fit his system and can do the things that he needs to do. I don't think, and again, I, you know, some of this sounds like shots at John Robinson, who I respect very much. And I believe I had a, a pretty good relationship with, despite some some bouts. And I have bouts with everybody who's passed through here, but I, they end up in the long run when I run into them. We seem to have good relationships. Um, but I, I don't think that, that John Robinson viewed himself that way, which is fine. I mean, you could be effective doing the job, and he was effective doing the job for a long time taking a different route. But I think Rand Carthon as a servant for Mike Vrabel, which coming out of my mouth sounds odd or weak or weird. And I don't think it is odd or weak or weird. It's just different. Um, and I, I, it sounds awfully promising. Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business. It is hosted by Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner. NashvilleBanner.com if you want some good journalism sent right to your email box. Right to your inbox. Straight to your inbox. Straight to your inbox. And it is, in fact, brought to you by the wonderful and amazing folks at... Jaspers. Jaspers. Sorry, I didn't give you... I went too fast. I added too many things in there. I apologize. You're too excited to embarrass your wife. Go ahead and embarrass your wife. So uh, Sundays are like our spot at Jasper's. And I told you guys last week, you go to Jasper's, they babysit your kids. They take, you, you just send, you, you order your food. You sit before the food even gets there. You start drinking your two for one beers with your wife and you send the kids into the game room and you let them go. It's great. Here's the problem though. So we, we do this quite often. We're over there at Jasper's on a Sunday because it's a great place to go. The food, again, the food is, is, is awesome. Every time you go, you can get something different. If you want pizza one time, a burger the next time, if you want bar food that, is is elevated you can go that way you can go nice entree kind of whatever you're feeling that's sort of the beauty of the place and we get done with our beer we get done with our beers and our burgers oh wait a second hang on important factoid i misreported we are not yet done with our beers we are in fact done with all of our food the kids have long left the table and are in the game room playing god knows what skee ball i don't think they can do the papa shot quite yet i think they're a little too small for that 
shuffleboard. Uh, they got Jenga. They got connect. They love the Connect Four game. They're not playing darts quite yet because your I don't... kids could be killed by that by the size of that Jenga set. <laughs> yeah, so they 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 play the Connect Four thing. They're not quite ready for Papa Shot or Jenga, and they're definitely not ready for darts because the four year old would kill another human on accident by just whipping <laughs> those things around. So I'm not giving them darts yet. That's just just bad parenting. However. They love the air, love number one seed in the game room by voted as voted on by all six and four year olds. Air hockey, awesome. Now, now the six year old has caught the finger. I did, I did mm-hmm. get the finger one time on the goal when she had the finger over the goal, and I caught her with it one time, not on purpose, of course. That'd be terrible. Um, and she definitely like kind of looked at me like, "Oh, that hurt," <laughs> and shook it off. I was like, "You okay?" She was like, "Yeah." I was like, "You gonna do that again?" She's like, "No." So she keeps her hands off the table. She learned that lesson. The, the the lesson the wife had to learn. Do not put your drinks on the air hockey table. Oh, people. God. So, it, oh, God. Now, now, to her credit, she realized the error of her ways very, very quickly. Very fast. It happened. She she put it down at like a, a like a like a beer, you know, a nice beer, nice, cool tall cool frosty one um puts it down and like i don't know if she like could hear my eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't know if she i like, i don't and this is a my wife's a rule follower for sure and so i don't know if she like just didn't see the sign and then could feel the the the, the rage coming at her from across the room in the back of her head or whatever wait but so it, so she set it down during a game with 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 my daughter, yep. yep. Oh, yeah. That could have gone so badly. It, it could have, and I think the puck bounced one time down to the other end, and I kind of like glance, and she, on her own, realized that mistakes. <laughs> Pick, picked it picked it up real fast. Uh, you know, very little condensation uh, was there. There's very little evidence. She cleaned it up and uh, has not made that mistake again. Um, but I, I, I was, I was very embarrassed. It's almost as bad as trapping the puck. It's almost See, I wondered, it, I, I was, uh, it's interesting. She did this with your kid. I wondered if she did this against you and like use like that spot in the corner as like a way to slow the puck down. It is such a nice table. They have at Jasper's. It is literally one of the coolest. It's like neon yeah. green and blue. Like it is an awesome table. No dead spots. The puck will just finally find its way to you. If you just are patient enough. Um, and I just, I was, I, I, I've never been more disappointed in my significant other than watching her wow. put a, watching her put a beer down on an air hockey table. And I, wow. I again to her credit, it took about eleven seconds for her to realize this was a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is uh what is her what what is her go to at uh, Jasper's? Oh is she man, a burger person or is well, she. she uh... love- Loves the cauliflower. We love the cauliflower poppers. Um, and yep. we've gotten the kids to eat the cauliflower poppers. So if you're if you're down for that, mm. try that out. It's hard. That's a, it's a hard sell, but you can get it once you get them into this. All those essences, you know, all those dipping sauces that that uh, they like to put on every single plate of everything that are di- like. There's like an avocado crema. There's like a red bell pepper. Man, essence. man however, however you got to get whatever you got to do to get your kids to eat vegetables. My my kids eat a lot of vegetables. Actually, they love the broccoli. Like this, they'll eat the sweet chili broccoli. At, at that, that stuff's great. But they do burgers and fries. The wife does uh, a variety of options. Um, appetizers. She likes the shareable. She likes loves the queso. Loves the queso. The queso is next level. Um, we had the queso at our Jasper's catered Tennessee Georgia football party at the house. Huge hit. Huge. I'm hit. sure. 
100% hit rate on the queso. <laughs> unanimous, <laughs> unanimous uh, agreement on the queso. Um, otherwise, we do we do the uh, the pizzas, the flatbreads, and uh, the burgers. It's just hard to hard to go wrong, man. With the burgers, it, burgers, it, great. You can't get all, all all the good things. All the good things. Yep. yep. All right. Just don't 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 just, put your just don't. Don't, don't put your beer. Like it's literally in the show notes of every episode. Please do not put your beer on the air hockey table. Uh, also, don't trap the puck. Go to Jasper's. I want to talk quickly about the the news of the surge. Uh, it was it came a lot in uh, national outlets. It came a lot from some of the. Some of the, uh, the 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 usual suspects, you know, the Schefters and the Rappaports and whatever else. Why is it that why is it that front offices and ownership groups talk to national reporters like that so much, but less to local reporters? They don't. Uh, this one doesn't. This yeah. though all of that stuff comes from um, agents, agents, or the other team. Which is granting the permission for those uh, coaches, which in uh, those those candidates, which is a formality, they they have to say yes, but there's paperwork that needs to be done. Um, so, like, I've checked in on Shane Bowen. I never would have checked in on Luke Steckel, who got an offensive coordinator interview. I don't recall where. Chargers, but, I think. Who? Chargers, I think. Chargers. Um, I never would have thought to check in on him, but I've checked in on Shane Bowen several times. And I think if Shane Bowen was requested by Monty Ossenfort in Arizona, which is a logical line, I might have gotten that because that's from from this side. So somebody with the Titans might have told me if they had gotten a request for Shane Bowen to interview in Arizona and granted it. I might have had that in the way that all of these um, other people, some of them maybe originated with beats, but most of them start with national. Um, there's just no, no fighting that. Now I did think, and I, you'll have to remind me, I, I think it was uh, Palacero maybe that had the uh, initial, um, the Titans are finished with their first round of interviews. Um Cowden, Cunningham, and um, and Carthon are you know expected to get second interviews. This is on the day that they wind up, you know, having a second interview with with Carthon and hiring him. <laughs> uh, so it all happened very quickly. Now he had that, and then Jonathan Jones had the exact same thing from CBS, worded exactly the same way. When two people have the same thing worded the same way, it's coming from the same person not sure what you know so you could have said well Pelissero or whoever it was is piecing that together from several agents um but then for Jonathan Jones to match it with the same language makes me feel more like it might have come from Titans ownership but I, I don't know I, the Titans have been very good I believe at stuff not coming from them to the Nationals um, and I hope that Rand Carthon continues to be a part of that. Somebody clearly talks to Diana Rossini, um, but outside of her, there's very little that goes to national people. This is something that's been consistent from the franchise 
from Jeff Fisher, who preached about the value of of an influence of local reporters um, to other coaches um, around the league and colleagues when he was a person of of substance and meaning in the league. And he would tell, you know, local college coaches and stuff, uh, you know, these are the people you're going to see every day. These are the people that are going to write and broadcast the stuff that's going to have more influence on your career than anybody national who's dropping in at the moments of big stuff happening. I feel like the Titans uh, largely uh, believe and abide by that. And I hope that Rand Carthon does too. I haven't had a chance to talk to him um, at, at when I do that. That's one thing that I, uh, I will bring up. I guess we'll find out if if Diana's uh, reporting changes. We'll we'll know. Um, I, I guess what's, <laughs> uh, again, what's... she'll probably get them from the side of right. Of that's the true. So we got to wait until we see what Diana. That's true. Uh, is um, getting and and if it's still Diana, that's fine. That'll probably tell us that it's Vrabel talking to Diana, which I suspect is the case anyway. Yeah. But if somebody new all of a sudden has Titan stuff, that would tell me that Rand is uh connected yeah. to that person. What what um is it so I think and I've talked to Titans PR staff about this, about college players, like college coaches doing their own players a disservice by not allowing them to sort of have more of a voice, practice reps with the media, be involved with the local community. They're gonna be easier on you, frankly in some college town than they would be at the NFL draft anyway. So I think I think coaches do their players a major disservice in that way it what is the benefit give us a little bit more on the benefits and maybe the the negativity of a of an organization trying to keep it a little bit more local and trying to focus focus a little bit more like doesn't it benefit their organization doesn't it benefit every nfl organization to be a little bit more local or is that unique to nashville and the titans well uh you know, Mike Florio's told a story that the newest guy on his staff, whose name I don't remember, worked for a team uh, earlier in his career, told a story that that their operation basically worked like Rappaport and Schefter will tweet this and five minutes later we could put up our story. And that was how their operation worked. Um, and they saw value in the trade-off that they got from having those relationships with uh, transactional relationships with Schefter and Rappaport, which are largely uh, information brokers. So um, I guess the executives and, and the coach of, of, uh, of that team found, you know, the, the biggest thing you get out of that is that when Schefter calls you or texts you for information, you can get, his information about what you're talking about. And there certainly is value in that. But in terms of having something uh, five minutes in, in that instance ahead, look, I, I pick my spots. So like Josh Dobbs starting, getting out, and that I got beat locally on that. I, I'm pretty confident the person that beat me, Justin Mello, who did a great job on that story, hat tip to him. I, and I, I can't pretend to know his sources or how many he had. I've got to have two. I had one and a half. I had one and a half from Monday for a Thursday game. I was trying to negotiate all kinds of methods. Look, I'll, uh, I can wait until Dallas is done practicing on Wednesday, you know, so that they don't have time, uh, blah, 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 everything in the book. Um, you know, 
talked to somebody and said, I'm 80% there. You know, I just need you to get me the 20%, everything. Coming home from the gym that day, you know, get a text from somebody that said, you should have gone with your 80%. See that it's out, you know, and desperately depressed the entire day because that one, <laughs> I that one I had and I right. knew. Now, if I hadn't, you know, had a tip, chased it, been so close, I, I wouldn't have cared. And I don't know. It doesn't matter who beats me on that. Um, you know, a week earlier or two weeks earlier, I had that Tannehill was was pretty much done for the season. Would have been nice to stack those two on, on top of each other. But I'm competing against a different standard there, I think. Uh, you know, I comforted myself anyway by convincing myself <laughs> that the person who beat me didn't have two sources. Uh, because if I couldn't find a second source... I have trouble believing that somebody else found them. Not, it's not, not, not a bad thing to have standards. Well, not, and, a, not and, a bad thing at all. And but just, I had it, you know. Justin, also a part of the 440 Sports Network, by the way. Uh, but he, he very well connected in the agent group uh, around the NFL draft and around cut day. If it was the agent, I'd be uh, very surprised based on my conversations with you. Yeah. So I, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to give away anybody's secrets here uh, or standards or, or anything. Um, he did a good job. Um, so let, let's, I, you've been very gracious with your, your time on this conversation. So we appreciate it. I, I got pivot, all day. I want to, I want to pivot real quickly. Um, of course you decide, you make the decision to, to, to leave out kick, um, two guys that you worked with for over 10 years. What, what went into that decision-making process for you? Um, it just wasn't working for me. And frankly, I wasn't very good at what we were doing there. Um, and so it just it, it it didn't make sense for me to keep doing it outside of fiscal sense um so uh national national and regional sounds good um but my expertise is local and my interest is local um my interest beyond the Tennessee Titans and the NFL is very narrow uh, I talk about the U.S. national soccer team. I talk about the Yankees and things that affect the Yankees. And I talk about, um, you know, stories of the day. Um, and, um, you know, some of the areas that we were going, I was I was doing homework on things and I think talking intelligently about them. But they weren't things that I have uh, a degree of passion for. And, and that was coming out in in. Uh, in my work, I think. Um, so at any rate, I, I want to double down on paulkuharski.com um, and um, do a better job for my membership, do a better job growing uh, my membership. And uh, I, I think I'm off to a, a good start with that. It's clearly, um, this is going to be the most important offseason in, in recent memory. Um there's a lot to dig into and figure out here with the new general manager, with a new offensive coordinator coming, who's going to have a hand in a new um, offensive line coach. We've already seen Chris Harris hired as the uh, new cornerbacks coach, though there seems to be this option to lose him immediately as a defensive coordinator, which would be a hell of a story. Um Huge draft last year. Draft interest was was way down. I suspect it'll be way up with the Titans picking 11th. 
Um, there's going to be huge roster turnover. There's a lot of questions about Ryan Tannehill. Um, cap decisions to be made. Uh, I think the most active, interesting offseason this team's going to have had in some time. And then uh, a season with uh, a lot of questions because this one is not just about the Titans, but it's also about uh, the Jaguars, who obviously won the division and, and made a very good showing uh, in a playoff game. And, and about two teams who are very likely to have rookie quarterbacks who are going to be big stories NFL why in a two billion dollar oh. and a two billion billion dollar toy they're about to build as well um yeah stadium is <laughs> not forget uh, about that <laughs> is a big story and the team being uh good enough to interest enough people to buy very expensive psls um in that two billion dollar building uh is, a, is another story Paul, I want to ask about paulkaharski.com because uh, it, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I think you've done some kind of smart things there. I added Mike Herndon um, doing uh, doing some column work for you, uh, and I, I'm I, I'm a I'm a fan of Mike's. I, I think he's I think he brings really smart stuff to the table. It's been great. Um, but but also you were kind of ahead of this kind of wave of self publishing that's out there right now. Uh, and I wondered if uh, I just wondered if you look at the things that are out there, like whether it's a Patreon or whether it's a Substack or whether it's like some of these ways that are allowing people like yourself that have uh, that have an expertise that they can monetize. If you had if you had ever looked at going one of those routes or it or, or is you know, keeping your website and and that and. and like some of the pluses and minuses that come along with with you know running your own website uh if you if you'd thought about okay well maybe it would be easier if i you know i give like a dollar off the top to substack but then i can put everything in here and only concentrate on this uh i root for all of the uh the guys who are and girls women who are doing um those kind of things i've talked to uh some of them um a Substack, I don't think was around when I when I started no, what, this. You, what you were ahead uh, yeah. of all of this. Patreon was, and Patreon is is what I was thinking about when I launched. But smart people who I talked to, and I talked to a lot of people before I figured out what exactly I was going to do and launched, told me that Patreon was like for for beginners and unknowns, and that I was already a big enough brand to to not do patreon i don't know what kind of cut patreon takes but i'm glad not to be giving a cut um <laughs> to anybody um and so um i don't really know the benefits i i stole the level thing from patreon and i still regret and i'm still searching for uh, a mid level you know, so I've got my my uh, my baseline level five ninety nine a month or uh, twelve months for the price of eleven on a yearly membership, and I've got my high level, my all twenty two that pay uh, you know a hundred or more. It's kind of a floating rate that I negotiate with with each member um, for you know super access to me. We've gotten together with some some big shots in the organization. Um, and we have a constant running chat and they know some things that uh, people probably shouldn't know um, in, a, in a big circle of trust. And they've developed, I mean, 
this thing is very organic. They've developed amazing friendships amongst themselves. And if you can believe it, there is civil discourse in there that extends <laughs> even, you're not going to believe this, even to politics. Um, wow. So we talk about Titans predominantly 80% of the time, but we talk about um, NFL football, college football, car loans, uh, job changes, um, and, and, you know, life events, having kids, uh, buying a new house. And it's a, a friendship group. It's, it's well beyond anything I ever imagined. There hasn't been turnover in, I can't remember the last time somebody left. Um, and so that's been the, the, the biggest achievement of, of this whole thing by far, getting to know these uh, 22 guys. There's actually 23 because uh, one gentleman um, joined the military and uh, and got deployed, and we collectively voted to uh, make him an honorary member. Um, well, it's it's like so, an all-conference team where you put the all-purpose back in there. Like you just yeah, you, he's you our all-purpose. Get the 22 back. starter. Um, um, does this attention, I mean, obviously our, our company is built on community and, and local and sort of a, a mile deep and an inch wide. Have you, has your passion for the beat being on a singular beat, has that evolved and changed since late nineties going through all the different locations you've been at, including ESPN, Tennessean, and obviously outkick and one Oh four five. And now with your own thing, have you rediscovered it? Did it go anywhere? How was how that relationship with a beat been? Cause not not everybody loves the, the grind of the beat. Oh, I don't love the grind of the beat either. And I, I'm not a traditional beat guy now. I consider myself more of a analyst and commentator. Um, I still like, you know, I mean, covering the game is is uh, is great. But um, I think what I write off the game is is uh, I want it to be more analytical about the consequences of what happened and why it happened. Um, I'm still evolving at, at that. Um, it's certainly, and Braden, you and I have had conversations about this. I think the appetite is more for that early in the week. What happened? Why did it happen? What does it mean? Um, and that, that's really what I do. People are less interested in uh, game previews, matchups, um, what's coming next. There's, there's a great sense of anticipation um, about those things, but I don't think there's a, a huge appetite for it. Blake Bettingfield, who writes for me along with Mike Herndon, does scouting reviews and previews of every game. And I think that is the best way to give people their fill on what's coming. He looks at at a Titans opponent and talks about, you know, what the matchups are and what the keys are to that game from a scouting perspective, which I think is different than anything anybody else is offering. And that's the best way to look forward. And I let that kind of carry that element of it in terms of the beat, like the grind in terms of, uh, you know, look, most of the people who cover this team go out to the open portion of practice and take attendance as to who's there or whatever. Well, there are going to be six tweets at the time we're allowed to tweet who tell you who's there. 
I can retweet one of those tweets with comment. Well, not a good sign that Nate Davis isn't out there today. It's the third day in a row we haven't seen him without taking attendance. So uh, I don't know what the point is to be the sixth guy taking attendance. Or on game day, you know, some people get carried away, like uh, writing. This isn't, it's a personal choice, but I'm not going to write about who the inactives are. I'm going to retweet Jim Wyatt, who tweets who the inactives are, and comment on what the inactives mean if there's some meaning to the inactives. But it's not important for me to report the inactives because they're coming from the Titans no matter what. 90 minutes before the game, there will be a tweet from two Titans people. One of them is Jim Wyatt. With the inactive. Yeah. Now, I might on a day where, you know, somebody's in doubt, be able to report the status of somebody ahead of those inactives. I'm interested in that, but I'm not interested in rewriting the inactives into my own tweet when they're right there in Jim Wyatt's tweet. So you think it's important to to, to put out on Twitter that there was a false start penalty in the first quarter for the Tennessee Titans. You, yeah. I, I, even I do a little bit too much. I, I, I don't understand play by play on Twitter and don't get me started on, on tweeting. If you're not at the game, uh, you know, I, I had COVID. I missed the game. I, you know, express very clearly that I'm not at the game. I might make an observation or two on Twitter from the game. Um, you know, I, I think in what I end up writing off that game, I make clear that I'm not there or that the quotes I got were from the televised press conference. I wasn't at the the Jacksonville game because uh, my father passed away and I made it clear, you know, I, I'm not there. I'm not writing anything. Mike Herndon was kind enough to step up and write something the next day that was highly read. But, you know, I watched the Jacksonville game highly distracted and so goes it. But this thing where you pretend you're there when you're not there, I think offends everybody whose company spends money for them to be there. I, I think, it, I, think I it's found really a sponsor to send me to London for the San Diego Chargers game. That's a huge find and a huge investment. And that other people sat home and tweeted as if they were there is a huge insult, I think. It's really funny in the streaming era, you can tell who's at who who's at the game, who's watching on broadcast, and who's watching on streaming because there is the we, because because the because uh, of the timing of it. Um and and the people that are at the game, it's almost like tipping pitches. Like 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 if you're watching on I watch on YouTube TV, which streams and is like usually like twenty to twenty-five seconds behind whatever, you know, whatever live action is happening if if there's if there's a really tight part of the game I, you know pitches are being tipped here by what's well, like by the draft. people, it's by like people the dra- the, yeah exactly it's like i draft. need to tweet less in game i make that pledge now only uh, again more contextual uh stuff or observational stuff that people aren't seeing what's going on on the sidelines and it's, less about yeah you know it's almost it's it's almost more sideline reporterish. Like this person's in the tent. Here's the energy on the sideline. Here's what some so and so has been speaking to so and so. Otherwise, I think we're all free to like look at a a deep shot on the sideline and play action on first down and say, oh, that was a smart call. That was a bad call. You know, whatever. We we all love to quarterback the offensive coordinator, which of and course. And look, oftentimes, and I've been burned by this. Oftentimes, somebody watching the broadcast has better information than I do, in terms of. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill's getting his ankle taped right now. Well, they've got a close up of it, and I'm watching it through binoculars right. from way upstairs. And 
and maybe somebody's standing in front of him from from my angle and I, I, I don't see that um or you know I didn't see if the guy stepped out of bounds on the on the first viewing it, <laughs> 2023 baby um Paul thank you so much man glad to have you on the network of course we appreciate your time thanks for giving us so much of us uh so much of it check out the podcast of course the YouTube page and become a member paulkarski.com thanks dude yeah I'm happy to be part of 440 now I really wanted in this uh you know venture with paulkarski.com only to find a uh, a better uh, podcast platform uh to have it be video also and um hooking up with Braden for and 440 is allowing me to do that. I've gotten a lot of compliments already on the look. Um, and you know, look, a lot of, a lot of stuff out there is very gimmicky. This is just me, uh, talking and reflecting on, uh, on the issues of the day. Some of which I believe I have, uh, you know, insight that other people don't. So check it out. If you haven't dropped an episode yesterday morning, um, and it's a good listen. So uh, hit it on your way to work, on your way home, or uh, on the weekend when you're running errands. And more stuff coming. Paul, thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Good to be with you guys. Hope I wasn't too long on all of this. No, that was awesome. Thank you, Paul. That was Paul Kaharski. PaulKaharski.com, the Paul Kaharski podcast. Pay for good journalism. Become a member today as little as five ninety nine. Um, yeah, there's not many people that are like, again, he, he claims he's not like on the beat. He doesn't do the beat reporting anymore, but he's, he's there for every single, every single event, the way a beat reporter would be. Um, and so while his content has evolved and maybe he views his role as, as evolving, which I think he's accurate to do, um, he's still there every single press conference, every single practice, every single day doing the, doing the one thing it is Tennessee Titans. Um, and you and I talked about this when, it, when outkick launched. You and I talked to, to Hutton about this, to Withrow about this, and to Paul about this. How does this group, this show of of with a huge local following that cares about these specific topics, how do they evolve into that other thing? And we asked them, all three of them, that exact question. Uh, and I'm not surprised that Paul's answer is like, I don't want to read about LeBron James. <laughs> like, yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't want to read about LeBron James. I work for ESPN Radio. I don't want to talk for, talk about LeBron James, but I understand. Um, I understand his thought process there and Titans, Titans, Titans all the way. And all you got to focus on is the one thing. And he does it as well as anybody. I'm, I'm glad to see him. Uh, I, I'm glad to see him sort of kind of back as a, as a one man Island. I, I, I will say his additions to Paul Kaharski.com have been really good. Um, I, I think that, I think that there is, and again, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a PK fan uh from from a long way back but i i just think that if you're a titans fan uh there's there's as much value as you're going to find anywhere uh from 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 that site and adding herndon and blake uh has made has done some really good stuff for the site i just think it's really good and mike herndon also a host on the 440 Sports Network. It just all comes full circle. That's all I'm saying. Also, um, to, to anybody that is surprised that, that Paul and I are working together, there will be there would be a tell-all about all the things that we've had beef about if we could ever agree on how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know about that. No, uh, super, super excited to have him on the platform. His show is excellent. He does great work. Again, um, never, never been a question. 
uh, ever and uh, glad to have his show. So yeah, let's do some- very excited about the pod. Let's do some quick, and we got some new stuff planned, all right? There's some stuff coming, got the creative juices flowing here, so just stay tuned, and of course, become a member of paulkarski.com. Subscribe to all the great shows across the 440 Sports Network, and make sure you go to Jasper's, whether you got a business lunch, whether you got an afternoon happy hour, whether you want to watch a Preds game, $10 smash burger, $3 beers, hello. Uh, If you're taking the kids on a Sunday to the game room, you want to swing by and pick up some dessert on the way home, they got the cheesecake in the grab-and-go market. They literally have you covered for every occasion. So go check out Jasper's over on West End, our fine, wonderful, and amazing quarter zips at Jasper's. Before you give a recommendation here, I have an anti-recommendation. Oh, I like this. Never before seen in the wild or every day on Twitter. <laughs> I do not give a fuck about, about the M&M's campaign. I, I don't even know what you're... Is this a, like boots or not boots? Is this team boots? Team anti- So this is... So this is... Uh, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about a lot of the culture war, but that's just me. <laughs> so so as as we're here in... in this, this is a good media thing here. As we're here in sort of the pre-Super Bowl... Uh, oh, God. Uh, the A lot of... What, what you see a lot of uh, people do is kind of launch campaigns ahead of what their super bowl campaign is to get like a month of like you know because they're trying to get like a lot of free media on the way up to the thing that they're paying you know five million dollars for a 30 second ad for or whatever else on super bowl so they're so they're trying to get like the maximum possible value out of this i believe this i believe the term is earned media i believe yeah and so so m&ms uh i don't know if i don't know if Tucker Carlson was in on it or not. Uh, but but Tucker Carlson has been railing about MMs and particularly the female MMs uh here recently. And uh, I mean I could I, I have not spent nearly enough on that rabbit hole and don't want to know about it. But uh MMs announced that they're retiring that like this ad campaign. They're retiring this like the the candy coated shells. They tweeted out, you know, uh, about their about their their spokes candies as they call it. Uh, and there was just the best headline in uh, spokes. It was the best headline in in Rolling Stone, which was, but and this is not a PG show, so kids cover your ears. Uh, the the headline in Rolling Stone was, "Can we please just let the M and M's fuck." <laughs> <laughs> And that is the Eminem's content I wanted, but yeah, that's but true. I, that's true. But I, I, God damn it, I hate these. I hate these ad campaigns where they, where there's fake news for to set up whatever it is that you paid for on Super Bowl oh, Sunday. Okay. I, just, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I just absolutely so rather, hate it. You'd rather I, see. I a, you'd rather see an Eminem's thruple than <laughs> than what you <laughs> than what you're seeing right now is what you're saying. Give give me the red, the yellow, and the green in a chocolate thruple. That's what you want. I don't <laughs> know what a thruple is, and I yeah. don't want to know. I can imagine, and I don't uh, I already right. feel I already feel terrible. And please, for God's sakes, give me your recommendations. Yes. Uh two very, very di- well, one's pretty lighthearted, but um uh well, actually, take that back. Neither one of these are, are light lighthearted at all, but very very brilliant very intense and and very uh if you're into like some if you're okay with like some you know dark stuff some dark strange plot twists and writing but just one's based on a true story um the menu the menu off of hbo is amazing it is it is 
truly epic and amazing. And here's the and then the Good Nurse on Netflix, both of which are Good Nurse is a true story, so that one's even more of a mind fuck. Uh, the menu is just a hilarious but also dark and like sinister comedy dramedy kind of thing mixed together. Brilliant writing. Good Nurse is also extremely well done. Jessica Chastain's the lead in that. Um, you'll recognize actors and actresses in like every single like they're all over the place in both these movies. Huge casts. Um, but here's the fun thing. Sorry, honey. Uh, my wife sat down to watch both of those movies with me, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna watch the menu. Hey, I'm gonna watch the Good Nurse." Like oh over, my God. The la- over the last week, did not tell her anything about either movie. She had no idea we were sitting down to watch like the menu. People die. <laughs> the menu is uh, go watch the trailer for the menu. Oh, it's so good. It's so it's good. So good. It's and it's an it delivers on everything uh, in 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 all the all the ways. And then the Good Nurse, people die. <laughs> so, so I just. I just want to let everybody know that's listening, but they are both excellent, excellent movies. Great writing. The the, the cinematography in, in both is exquisite. The the acting is great. The writing is great. They're both really, really fun. Uh, if you're if you think I thought the menu was not only dark and sinister, but also hilarious. Um, but that's maybe just me. <laughs> maybe I got the jokes like I like the Coen brothers more than most people's. <laughs> so um, it's not a Coen brothers movie, but it's kind of in that sense of comedy where it's very dry and, and it's, it's quite funny, but um, I did not awesome. want to, I, I, I want to check out both of those. I, I've had the good nurse flagged here for a little bit, but, um, but both, I'm, I'm a huge Chastain fan. She's very, very good. I also watched glass onion. I don't know how I had this much time the last couple of weeks. I also watched glass onion by myself. That was pretty entertaining, but that's pretty mindless. So yeah, it was, it was good, but mindless, um, not mindless. Paulkarski.com become a member PK.com. Of course, the website little as five ninety nine a month. Subscribe to the podcast. Check out all the great work, of course, from all the other great sports podcasts from 440 sports and make sure you sign up at nationalbanner.com for some great local news sent right to your inbox. Steve's got some stuff coming for you soon, so make sure you sign up there. And of course, go to Jasper's over on West End where the parking is always free. Uh, Steve, where can people find you? They can find me uh, on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter at Scavendish. Braden, where can they find you? At Braden Gall on Twitter at 440 Sports. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Subscribe to all the great shows and pay for good journalism. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to PK for all his time. For Steve, I'm Braden. Thanks for listening. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.